Al-Jazeera podcast. Hey, it's Malika. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Take and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think. Even before the first air raid siren in Ukraine, neighboring Poland was warning of the potential for an invasion there by Russian President Vladimir Putin. Everybody in Poland is reading about the history back from the 30s. If you read the history books, you know that when you give a finger to someone like Putin, he will take your hand. For years, Poland's warnings weren't taken seriously in Europe. Until... This is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine as the sun came up this morning. Ever since, Poland has become a leader in the European Union, pushing others across the continent for more and more support to go to Ukraine. But a full-scale war next door has left Poland's long-standing conflict with the EU over its own democracy on the back burner. Brussels insists all member states sign up to the same democratic norms. Everything from the independence of the judiciary to freedom of the press and more. Hungary and Poland say Brussels is meddling in internal affairs. And for now, they won't budge. Today, a look at how the war in Ukraine has changed Poland and how Poland has changed Europe. I'm Malika Bilal and this is The Take. I'm talking to a journalist who's covered all these ups and downs for Poland's biggest news site. My name is Bartek Węglarczyk, and uh, I'm editor-in-chief at Onet. So we're approaching the one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Can you take us back to a year ago? What changed in Poland after the invasion? I think... In a sense, a new history of Poland started a year ago because the war is taking place basically next door to us. We got two million Ukrainians living in Poland, the two million people who run away from the war. You hear Ukrainian language everywhere. Mm. You walk around Warsaw and it seems like half of people in the streets talking Ukrainian. You have Ukrainians working everywhere. Any store you go to, any restaurant you go to, a gas station, uh, there are Ukrainians working there. Uh, So it's incredible, you know, I love it. I I think they hardworking people. I think they, you know, they they trying to make whatever they can out of this tragic situation. Take for example, Olha, a Ukrainian refugee living in Poland. Before the war, she was a sales manager. Now she's training to operate a forklift for an auto company. In Ukraine, I was working with my mind, and here in Poland, I'm working physically, because this is physical, hard work. But Poland's involvement in the war goes well beyond taking in refugees. We have military from all over the world stationing in Poland. We have planes, tanks, missiles, military personnel. We are talking about the U.S. president coming to Poland for the second time in a year in next few weeks. The White House confirming that President Biden will travel to Poland to mark one year since the Russian invasion. We have Polish citizens who died 
during the war. Poland's president calling a missile blast on Polish soil an unfortunate accident. Two people are dead after the missile landed close to the Ukrainian border. It's a new history for our country. That, that's, that's how I think people will talk about this in the future. Throughout this war, you've had Polish officials like the president, President Andrzej Duda, who've been pushing the European Union to get more involved, especially when it comes to things like giving more aid to Ukraine. Is this purely altruistic or is this because he's worried Poland could be next? I think both. You know, it, it is true that uh, everybody in Poland understands that Ukrainians are also fighting for us because if, if Kiev loses the war, who knows what will happen next? So we understand that Ukrainians are fighting for us. So it's not purely altruistic, but there is a right and wrong side of this war, and it's our moral duty to, to support Ukrainians. Do you think that that sentiment is shared by many of your fellow citizens? Is that something that people in Poland support? We have a long history of relations with Russia, and we were occupied by Russia for 40 years. Therefore, the support for the Polish government and its stand on Ukrainian war is massive in Poland. Mm. There are many people who didn't vote for the government and who probably will not vote for the government, but they still support the government position. So even if there is a new government this year in Poland after elections, I can assure you a hundred percent that the new government will have this exactly the same position on the support for Ukraine. And Bartek isn't the only person who thinks that. Maciej Konieczny is a member of parliament. He comes from Razem, a party on Poland's left. It's as far as you can get from the ruling Law and Justice Party. He might have his problems with the current government, but... I cannot say that they are not really in support of Ukraine. But this unified support in Poland isn't necessarily echoed across the EU. We've been saying a lot about the risk of uh, Russian imperialism, and it was treated like... Uh, like being Russophobic, and it happened that we were right. For example, the German policy based on having uh, business deals with, with Russia and treating Russia like a regular business partner was wrong. So for sure, Poland gained importance on, on international level. We've been advocating the support, the military support for Ukraine and its major position in Poland advocating for sending military aid to Ukraine, advocating for sanctions against Russia. It's the stand shared by all major political forces in Poland. Both Bartek and Maciej mentioned that Poland's history with the Soviet Union shaped the country's view on Russia. I asked Bartek how that plays out today. If other countries had the view that so many Poles have, do you think that EU policy might look different? Well, you know, what happened before the war was that Poland and Baltic states that have their own history of, of relations with Russia, even worse than ours, when we warned the West about Mr. Putin, nobody believed us. Here's Poland's President Duda speaking to NATO in 2018. The experiences of the past two years have not given us any grounds to believe that wider NATO-Russia cooperation is possible. What's more, they have shown that Moscow is not interested in an honest and constructive dialogue. And while Bartek says Poland was proven right, 
he still thinks other countries might be downplaying any potential Russian threat. The problem is that it's taking a long time. And after a year, I understand some people are tired. There are governments in the European Union that think that, that there's, there's time to talk to Russia. So this is what we have to, you know, like stand firm. Everybody in Europe needs to understand that the war is still on and every single day kids and women and men in Ukraine are dying because Mr. Putin has this idea of Russian empire coming back alive. After the break, a look at how the warnings from Poland mark a change from the status quo in its relationship with the rest of Europe. On this week's episode of Essential Middle East Podcast, find out why people in Indian-administered Kashmir are worried about the new digital IDs. I'm speaking with Bartek Winlarczyk, the editor-in-chief of Polish news portal Onet, about how the war in Ukraine has affected Poland's standing in the EU. If you had been reading the news or studying the EU and Poland's relationship with the EU before this war, it might sound as if today there's a role reversal because the EU is usually the one that's pushing Poland. And that relationship has been pretty rocky over the last few years. And it still is. There are bigger issues at hand. These are issues of life and death. But of course, the conflict that you're talking about between Poland and Hungary on one side and European Union on the other side is still on and nothing changed there. For years, the EU has been warning Poland, as well as Hungary, led by the right-wing Viktor Orban, that their actions were out of line with EU standards. The two countries with their populist leaders have been accused of curbing human rights and also stifling the freedom of courts and also of the media. Polish leaders disagree and say they're unfairly singled out. Here's Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki speaking in front of Parliament in 2020. We say yes to the European Union, but no to being punished like children. No to mechanisms which mean that Poland and other countries are treated unfairly. The democracy is under threat in Poland. Democracy is under threat in Hungary. So nothing changed there. But we are in the times of life and death, and everybody, at least now, seems to understand it. Well, let's explain then what you mean by democracy is under threat in Poland, even still. So Mm -hmm. what exactly is under threat? So basically, if you belong to any social political group in Poland that doesn't support the government or the government thinks that the group doesn't support them, you're under threat. The media are under threat. Any kind of minorities are under threat. It seems like the government thinks that it's under, I don't know, uh, under attack by so many groups in Poland and they have to defend themselves. One of the ways that some might say the government is trying to defend itself, as as you mentioned, is by shoring up its judiciary. Yes. So can you tell me about Poland's Law and Justice Party, the ruling party, how it treats its judiciary and how that's changed? It's very simple. They put in politicians and judges who are openly supporting the government 
in any position of power in the judiciary system, up from the Supreme Court and Constitutional Tribunal. You have people who are basically politicians who are running the institutions right now. European Union leaders have watched with alarm as Poland has reduced the independence of judges and the press. The EU and many Polish judges say the changes violate the separation of powers essential in a democracy. The personnel changes in the judiciary through a body called the Constitutional Court have led to some unpopular decisions. Poland has some of Europe's strictest abortion laws, and further curbs in recent years have led to mass protests. One of the things that happened in the last few years is a decision by the Constitutional Tribunal to limit right to choose by women in Poland. The majority of Poles were against the decision, and protests rocked the country for weeks. But the near total ban on abortion still stands. And then there's the media, which Bartek has firsthand experience with. The journalists in Poland are not being arrested and we don't go to prison. It's more subtle. They make it impossible to run a media business in Poland. So what happens is, on one hand, the government media are getting uh, hundreds of millions of euros of support from the government. On the other hand, the independent media spend half of the time in courts fighting, you know, all kinds of fines from the government officials and government institutions. Being an editor-in-chief, I have to go to court almost every week now hmm. to stand a trial for something by wow. someone from the government. So when were you last there? When were you last in court? Uh, a week ago. Oh, wow. And, and what is that like? Is it just frustrating? Is there a threat that you could actually be in trouble? For now, nobody's talking about putting journalists in prison, but a threat is to uh, to publishers because uh, this is exactly what happened in Russia. The Russian government made it impossible for any foreign publisher to make any money out of media in Russia. It's not like these moves around the judiciary and the media were just a concern for the EU. Polish residents were up in arms about them as well. We had demonstrations every single day in Warsaw for many, many weeks. We had one continuous demonstration in front of the government for, I think, two years. But after eight years, people are tired. Inflation is huge. So, you know, everybody is starting to look after the family and the issues like constitutional court. People, you know, they have to fight for the daily life and uh, For that reason, the demonstrations in front of the Constitutional Court ended some time ago. So what has the EU done to pressure Poland to change these rules, specifically when it comes to the judiciary? Well, what happens is the EU has this huge plan for recovery funds because of the COVID crisis. The EU decided to organize this huge amount of money and give it to all the EU member states to rebuild their economy. And what happened was the EU stopped the money for Poland and Hungary. And they told Polish government, if you want to get the money, you need to do something about judiciary. The European Commission recently approved Poland's 35.4 billion pandemic recovery plan in a bid to force it to address concerns. But Brussels says many of the changes remain cosmetic, which is why the EU is yet to release any money. Bartek says, That caused a change of approach in Poland. 
It's about how do we get the money from Brussels without giving them too much and explaining to our voters that although we said for last two years that Brussels is an occupier that's trying to occupy Poland, now we gave up to them, but we still think that Poland is independent. Poland's prime minister has criticized the EU for blocking funds to Poland, the funds that we talked about earlier. And he's gone so far as to even compare the EU's treatment of Poland to the sanctions that they put on Russia. What do you think when you hear comparisons like that? I shake my head, but you have to understand what you hear outside Poland is uh, a small portion of what we hear inside Poland. So when you when you turn on government television, you will hear that basically Brussels hate Poles. And we are being hated because we defend ourselves and all the other countries like France, Spain, Italy are not independent anymore. They all gave up to Brussels and Brussels is deciding about everything. And we are we are standing up to Brussels. Therefore, we are being punished by Brussels. But I have to tell you that people who believe it, they believe it. And people who don't believe it, don't listen to it. But between Poland's boost in military spending since the war and soaring inflation, that money is desperately needed. So now the government is considering a compromise. Last week, a bill went through Polish parliament that Bartek said could ease up political pressure on the Supreme Court. The problem is the president decided that he will not sign the bill (laughs) and he will send it to constitutional tribunal to decide if the bill is legal. And the head of that tribunal is close friends with the leader of the ruling Law and Justice Party. She's been found to confer with the prime minister's office ahead of making decisions. Basically, it will be up to the government party to decide what the constitutional court should do. And we'll see. Well, the fact that the decision came to a vote at all, would you say that that was a compromise between the EU and Poland? It was a compromise. Mm. Yes, definitely it was a compromise because the government desperately needs the European money. This phrase that the Polish government is using, occupying, when it comes to Brussels, does it come off differently after the Russian invasion of Ukraine? It's a good question, and I think we are living analysis of politics and we are entering a field of psychology. Mm. And, you know, Polish politics these days, a lot about psychology. In one breath, a politician from the government will tell you that, of course, there are Russians at our borders and we have to help Ukraine because it's our war and Ukraine is defending us. And in the second sentence, they'll tell you that at the same time, we have to fight German government that is trying to destroy independence of Poland. There's Brussels that is doing basically the same thing. So if it doesn't make any sense to you, You're together with millions of Poles who don't understand either. (laughs) So Bartek, final question here. What is it like for you watching the compromises go through between Poland and the EU? Do you think in the end they will actually help or hurt the people of Poland? When you join European Union, you promise to be a democratic country. And of course, there are different shades of democracy, but I think Hungary and Poland crossed the red line. And a long time ago, by the way, not today and not yesterday, but long time ago. 
if you don't stop this worsening of the state of democracy in Poland and Hungary, other politicians will follow it because it's good for them. It gives them more power. The more power they can get, they will. So this is the moment that EU has to step in and, and stop the process. Otherwise, if other politicians in other countries see that EU is not doing enough about democracy in Eastern European countries, the disease of limited democracy will move to the West. I can assure you of this, because it always happens. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliai with Miranda Lynn, Ashish Malhotra, Chloe K. Lee, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Our engagement producers are Andy Greiner and Adam Abugad. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back 